You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Hello, friends. We are coming to you live from my couch. Hey, everybody. Hello. Amanda is here with us because Amanda lives here. and We didn't want to shut her up in the other room. Yeah, and, you know, we, we like to have guests now for these supplemental shows, and we figured we already have a guest here. And it would be a lot easier for me editing to just use a physical person that's here. I yep. think you'll find that Matt is the guest here. I live here. <laughs> on the show. Dude. Yeah, you're. I'm a guest in your house, but you're a guest on my show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I don't own either of those things, apparently. So that's, <laughs> that's right. That's delightful. <laughs> Um, Matt is here. We actually, one of the things we wanted to do this weekend, uh, well, first of all, if you haven't seen our season one, uh, of Next Gen wrap-up video, check that out. Yep. It's it, available now. It is on the Post-Atomic Horror website, postatomichorror.com. It is also on YouTube, and if you subscribe to us on iTunes, it is also there. It's really easy to find. It's got puppets. It's delightful. You've probably already got it. Go look. Probably. But that's one of the reasons Matt's here, is yeah. every, in, in the Post-Atomic Horror Constitution, it says... Uh, every so often, Matt and Al will convene with puppets and talk about the, the season that they just saw. Yes. Well, of course. That is what we did. But only every so often. You know, when we need to. Well, that's what the American Constitution says. It yeah. says that the president will address Congress every so often. <laughs> it's really vague and weird like that. I don't think that's the phrase, but it's something like that. Someone <laughs> Whenever will, he gets around to it. Yeah, when someone will tired. no doubt correct me, but uh, shut up, kid. Um... So yeah, we've finished season one, we have some mail to answer, we have some lingering thoughts about season one. Yep. We've also just watched the uh, Blu-ray sampler pack that they've put out to sort of foreshadow the full release of the series uh, in in high definition. Mm -hmm. Well, you watched Farpoint again. Yeah, well, we are not allowed to watch the other Yeah, here's here's the thing about that. If if we haven't discussed this on the show before, and I'm pretty sure we have, um, we have vowed to watch, as you know, all of Star Trek starting at the beginning, making our way through all the series... I personally like the idea of watching, not watching what comes ahead so that we can watch it with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. So that we can compare what we're seeing to, to what, yeah, what like, we remember as opposed to what we saw last week. Exactly. And this was only me. I didn't, I didn't impose this on Matt. He thought it was a good idea and volunteered his own self. Except mm -hmm. that he's chained to a radiator, so how much free will could he really have? He can reach the remote, though. Yeah. So I he, can pick whatever I want to watch from the radiator. You just can't leave the radiator. Yeah, the exactly. radiator has like 176 channels. He can watch whatever he it's wants. It's an incredibly... It's got a lot of channels for a radiator. Listen, also, the radiator doesn't give off heat. I think it's just a prisoner radiator. Listen, your 21st century primitive radiators aren't as good as the ones we have here in the future. But I assure you... Look, listen, y'all. I can get down to whatever radiator you want to chain me to. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Matt has decided to, to go along with me in this stupid thing. So, for instance, the other day I was talking to someone about something in DS9, and I showed them a clip uh, on YouTube, two-minute clip, and I, it just tortured me. It mm -hmm. just, it's, I've, I've taken a vow of Star Trek celibacy, and it was like getting a lap dance, and it was just torture. Yeah, it wasn't even a good clip. It was Cisco like, staring at a potted plant. I think they cut it from whatever episode it was from. Yeah, I, and it, but it was enough. It was like, yep. oh, I, I want to see that one. I miss that potted plant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, while the Blu-ray set, like, the sampler, and it's, it's like 15 bucks at Amazon... But the whole series is coming out, so I don't know if it's really worth... It's worth my money because I have a, I have a podcast about Star Trek. Yeah. And I'm here to talk about it with you. But if you want to pay $15 to see three episodes of the show, you might as well just wait and pay the full amount for the whole box yeah. set later. Uh, it's really not sort of... Like, there's no real special features on there or anything either. No, or, it's just these three episodes. Three, it's just a taste. Yeah, you get three episodes, and they look good. They really do. And we did allow ourselves to see the teasers, the, the two-minute scene before the credits yep. of the two other episodes. That's all we, we let ourselves... So, and even that was like, oh, look, they got the right uniforms on, Riker's got a beard, and, and everything looks... Oh, man. I'm going to oh. watch the inner light as soon as we're finished with this. Oh. Yeah, the other two episodes were Sins of the Father, which is when Worf's brother shows up in the whole Klingon honor thing, and then the inner light where Picard lives that other life. Yep. Um, both great episodes. <laughs> I'm Worf's brother, and now you will find me tough but fair. <laughs> and then he yells at Wesley, and then that's all we saw. Yep. But we are assured that it's a good episode by our past selves. Mr. So. Crusher, do you have something to say to the rest of the bridge? <laughs> oh no, he's got that, he's got that delightful Tony Todd voice. 
Perhaps you remember me from Candyman. Nope. <laughs> I don't think that I do. Nah, too bad. I remember you from all your other Star Trek appearances. <laughs> what about from Hercules? No. Which Hercules? <laughs> the, the one that came out the same time as Xena did. Oh, that Hercules. Was he in that? Yep, he was a bad guy. Did he have a hook for hand and a penchant mm, for bees? No. Did he wear a turban and, like, uh, genie pants? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that probably a did bit. happen. <laughs> See, I think I think most like black and Middle Eastern guys on those shows probably wore a lot of genie pants. Mm-hmm. There were some genie pants and flowy robes. Yeah, that just seems like the way non-white people go. Not, I'm not even saying it's a racist <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm just saying if if you're gonna say Hercules is from where the white people are, then you're kind of forced yep. to make all the other different-looking people from somewhere else. Mecca like a high, Mecca Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> So we watched Farpoint again. That did happen. Again. For, I don't know, the 20th time now. We've seen it almost as many times as we've seen The Cage. I bet we've... No, I think it's more now. I bet we've seen Farpoint more than the Okudas have. And they're the guys who restored the episode. But uh, it was actually, like, it actually held our attention. I mean, we talked the whole time. Well, but of course. But that's true of anything we do. But we were... we were. It was interesting. It was... They didn't apparently change a lot of the effects. No, it's not like with the when they were doing the original series where they just redid everything. No, it was it was actually um, mostly the original effects just looked kind of murky on video, mm-hmm. and once they cleaned them up and put them in high def, they looked good enough as it was. Those the jellyfish aliens at the end looked fucking oh absolutely. Amazing. I have to tell you guys that great pain isn't any better in high def. It Alas. is it is equally equally the same. Yeah, I'm afraid they can't... I, I don't know if you know about upscaling and changing to HD, but it really doesn't change acting at all. <laughs> I want you to make the acting better by about 30%. What I would like you to do is turn up the colors and turn down the shouting. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to turn, And turn, turn off, off the dark. skirt. <laughs> yeah, that would be okay. Um, yeah, the Turn colors. Turn on pants. <laughs> Turn on pants. There's no pants button on our remote. <laughs> Press pants to add pants. <laughs> um, the, the thing that really jumped out at us was the colors. It was, and that sounds like such a dumb, pedantic, like, oh, I like the colors. It was so pretty. But it really was, like the reds of the uniform. Like yep. the fact that they use primary colors in the, in the uniforms. You get the yellow, the red, and the blue. They all look really great contrasted to each other and yep. they just jump out at you and, Q's red judge uniform looked amazing, and mm-hmm. just the colors were just so colorful. I mean, that's one of the very primal things I reacted to from the original series was it was so colorful. I loved seeing the, you know, the primary colors, and the aliens were always like, you know, green monsters or whatever, and it just it looked cool. I yeah. remember Q's uniform being sort of like dusty looking, mm-hmm. yeah, like, sort of murky. No, it's kind of shiny. Yeah, no. and actually the the first. And his lipstick, his glorious lipstick. Yep. Listen, John Delancey has beautiful full lips like Michael Keaton. Mm-hmm. They're just delicious, big Mick Jagger lips. I think him and Troy were wearing the same colors at some point. The same... <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he's an autumn and she's like a winter. <laughs> and they just start making out. <laughs> I, I would be okay. Um, but no, it, it looked fantastic. The, the first costume he shows up in is like the the medieval, like the conquistador thing. Uh-huh. And he's got the polished, the polished breastplate. And it looks polished. It looks shiny. Yeah, it didn't look like a prop. Yeah, it looked like something someone had just, like, shined up and handed to him. Yeah. And... Like, you could see Picard reflected in it. Yeah. Which was really kind of cool. And you could not see that in the original. And no. it's just little details like that. Here's the detail that really grabbed us, though. Of course. Of course. Watching Farpoint <laughs> meant we had to watch Groppler Zorn all over again. Yep. And fall in love with our favorite supporting character all over again. I'm sorry. Still crouching under that table. Now Matt's impressed with that table, though. <laughs> that was a gorgeous fucking table. It, it, was this ruined nice, it. it was this nice sort of polished green, like, emeraldy kind of... Like, I, I could see why you liked it. It looked mm-hmm. like something from The Wizard of Oz. A bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually. But the the scene that we always latched onto in, in the first time around was the bowl of fruit, and Riker says, there's no apple. <laughs> and then the apples appear. There is an apple, guys. We're it's here to right tell there. you. We've seen it in a high def. There's a bowl of various fruits, and there's clearly a round, shiny red fruit. So they're down there trying to figure out whether they should let these guys ally themselves with the Federation. Uh-huh. Is apple awareness... We think apple, apple identification. Spotting? We think there it's a test. Riker's like, there's no apple. And the test is... Grappler Zorn would be like, oh no, there's an apple there. And right that's, here. You know, 
It's it's like the Kobayashi Maru of of uh, of Federation yep. entrance. Like so the he, Emperor's new apple. Yeah, it's something like that. My question then is, what is Cropler's Orange supposed to eat and look smug about when it, when it successfully <laughs> creates apples from nothing? That's a good point. See, he did reprogram the simulation. Rather yeah. than pointing out the apple, he just made a whole new bowl of Yes. Them. Or had his alien slave do it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Same difference. There's nothing wrong about creating a bowl of apples to impress a man with no beard. <laughs> <laughs> man. And, and we're going to do, we're going to start season two next week. We're, Riker's gonna have a beard, but seriously, even seeing that two minute preview of, uh, Sins of the Father mm-hmm. with Riker walking down the corridor, he had a beard, is like, that is so much better! I was like, alright, oh, Star Trek! <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the Inner Light, which is a couple seasons further ahead, he's got sort of bags under his eyes, but he's like aging well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look old, he just looks not young. And it's like, that's the Riker I know and love. Yeah. Not not this weird-looking young guy. Season one, Riker is so scrawny, yep. too. Like, he looks he like is. a twig. And yep. the thing is, the thing about Riker is he's big, he's got big shoulders, he's always putting his leg up because he's so much taller than everyone. <laughs> he's just a big Let guy. just stride across the Enterprise like a colossus. Yeah, and his legs, like, that's why the whole leg up thing happens, but yep. he also, because of that, when he walks, he has to, like scurry along because if he his normal stride would leave everyone just well, everyone behind. else is quite a bit shorter than he yep. is yeah even Worf <laughs> which is weird and yeah seeing Worf in the proper uniform and, and with the right hair and all that made a big difference but we're gonna get to that in season two so that'll yes. that'll be okay looking forward to Worf's bowl cut yeah also in the HD the glorious HD you could see the hair frizz from the uh, wall of China both Groppler's Orns and Troy's <laughs> that's true well I was pointing out the the nice the, the little effects of the tiny little tendrils of the uh, of the tentacle aliens. And then they cut back to a close-up of Groppler Zorn with his nasty mat of hair. <laughs> and it's basically the same effect. Nasty little tendrils. So there was puppeteers working his hair, too? Well, yeah, of you, course. In the behind-the-scenes stuff, you can see that. I am curious. I don't think the next-gen DVD sets have commentary, do they? They might have something from the Akutas. I or don't something. think so, no. That whole cast is still alive. It seems like right now would be the perfect time to get Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, everybody else. Yeah. Like, those guys are so much fun anyway. Yeah, and they're like, just all doing the con circuit right now anyway. So yeah. like, they've got time. And they've, they're clearly, none of them are burned out. Like, you don't get one of those bitter Walter Koenig people where it's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore, I want to do something else. They're all fine with it. Yeah. And they're all comfortable telling stories. And they've all got great stories that they've been practicing over the years. Yeah, I mean, we just saw two of them last year. Yeah, and fine. I think some of them are going to be at Emerald City this yep. year, so we'll do the same thing again. Yep. I've said this before, any pairing of any two people from that cast is great, because they all have good chemistry. There's no dud in the batch. Oh, totally. Of the core guys. I mean, I I even will put aside my distaste for Will Wheaton and say he's probably would be fun with any of those guys, too. Because he knows how to work a con crowd. So, I would love, I I would really love to see the Blu-rays come out with some actual cast commentary. That would be nice, but Mm. that's not going to be a deal breaker or anything. But, You're uh, gonna buy it, no matter if they, no, they if they put it in a bag of garbage and said here. That's not you know you know, I, the only Blu-rays that I own are the remastered original series and the Star Wars six set, and that's it. I don't buy a lot of Blu-rays. No, but if they if they said to you here, you have to fish it out of this garbage pile. We provide, <laughs> we put it in a bag of broken glass, uh, and you have to pay us sixty dollars to reach your hand in this broken for season glass. one, season two. Mm. Season, season one, you only have to pay $30 to reach into the bag of broken glass. <laughs> See, now season three is where everything picks up and suddenly everything's perfect and they just completely hit their stride and almost the whole season is just mm. beautiful. Season three, I would do that for two, is very bag up and Bag of garbage? Down. No. Not broken glass. Bag mm. of garbage. Maybe just for Measure of a Man. The rest of that season is okay, but Measure of a Man is really the first great episode. Anyway, we'll get to that. Any any other thoughts on the Blu-rays before we press on to the mail here? Um... It was just pretty. It was surprising yeah. to watch an episode that we were just we just seen and we're kind of sick of, and it was still interesting enough to us. Yeah, but well, apart from the that, Zorn factor helps. <laughs> the Zorn factor helps everything. Yep. Um, the other thing was that it kind of helped us put a little perspective on how far season one did come. Yeah. While we're still in a rough spot, comparing it to where we started twenty four episodes ago really made a difference. Yeah. And we're like, wow, that already got better. Yeah. No. That's better. That's gone. But it had some of the things that I didn't despise about season one, too. The weird aliens. Yep. Well, um, that's always been one of my things, yeah. Which isn't just bumpy-headed guys or guys who look like people. They definitely tried harder in the early seasons, mm. I would say, on that front. But, like, you could see where they were going to. Yeah. Really, if you just let DC Fontana write it and kick Gene out of the place. Yeah. 
But that's, like I say, season three was the first, I think, great season. We'll, we'll get there and you'll see. Yeah. You might not know what season three is off the top of your head, but when we get there, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Um, because Gene's dead. That's when they kicked Gene upstairs. <laughs> awesome. That's when they made him executive producer and let, like, assigned a new writing team to run things, and he didn't really have any creative input. And awesome. that's when things got great. Good. And then around season five, he died right around Star Trek six and the Spock episode, which was season four or five. So yeah, okay. But it was before that that it got good because they just made him go be the head boss, go be the figurehead. Yeah, go, you're. You don't get to no, write anymore. You're, you're in charge. You're the boss of us. They yeah. finally figured out a way because yelling at him didn't do it. Mm-hmm. He's the boss, so the smart thing to do is promote him to the point where he can't do any damage. Yep. And unfortunately, then he died. I, I won't make tasteless jokes. Ha ha. He dead. I. You know, it's still sad. If nothing else, because I really like Majel Barrett, and I'm sad for her. Well. She but can't hear the jokes anymore either. I so. suppose that's true. You'd I need a shovel. Barrett. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel bad that she lost her husband. That's all. All right. Let's uh, let's crack into some mail, won't all we? Right. Uh, first one comes from Scott. Scott. Uh, that Scott, not Zioko. What's his? The... Uh, Campbell. Scott. Thank Campbell. you. Sorry, it's not in the email. I knew it, and I just couldn't think of it. Scottums is what <laughs> what it said. I know that's not his real name. He's the Journey of the Hero guy, right? Yes. Scott Camp. Yeah, Scott Camp. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he's in. Um, I think he was the gay guy in the Kids in the Hall. Oh, I thought maybe he was the guy from um, the Evil Dead movies. No, that's Ash Campbell. Oh. Or maybe it's the guy from Mad Men, who's the douche, who's played by Connor from Angel. I thought he was a character though. Like Ash Campbell's a real guy, but I right. thought that. But the, Pete the... Campbell's, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and he has a bitch face. Yeah. Okay, and he says, how are you? I am fully functional. I did not need to know that. <laughs> Roddenberry has a reputation for a positive future, but when you see in both the original series and Next Gen, along with his aborted series Genesis 2 and the recent Andromeda, uh, it seems that he believed humanity had to go through some horrible apocalypse, atomic war, galactic civil war, and the like. Did Roddenberry think present humanity had to burn all their bullshit away before they could become goody-goodies of the galaxy? Uh, there's another question, but let's, let's field that for That's actually a really good point. And I think a lot of sci-fi from, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, like, had that because of the cold Cold War thing. The, just the whole thought that, like, well, okay, before we need to get better, we need to fucking wipe all this shit away. It seems more realistic to say we're on a course for disaster, and after that, we're going to realize how yeah. close we are. Also, look... there was a feeling of inevitability. Like, yeah, the, exactly. The, the, totally. It wasn't so much that we needed to blow things up to realize how great the universe was. It was that this was going to happen no matter what we did. So let's get it out of our system. Yeah. I also think there's a there's an obvious historical parallel with World War II. World War II, we got really close, and it ended with atomic bombs, and it could have gotten way worse. And then we stepped back and said, whoa, let's maybe not do that again. And we didn't have any horrible wars for a while after that. Also, mm. as far as um, technological advances, those always, like the best technological advances for a long time, always happened during a war. So you'd think your magic future technology would probably have something to do with it. Well, yeah, the rockets that sent us to the moon were yeah. developed during World yeah. War Two. So that so, makes total sense. So, you know, sense. you get your replicator technology and your transporter technology in combat. Makes sense. No, I don't know. I mean, and those are all serious reasons. I honestly don't have any silly reasons, because that's actually a really good yep. thematic question. And Oh, uh, and then we fell into some butterscotch pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Physical comedy. <laughs> Works good on an audio show. Yeah, it's so much funnier since we're all sitting here and I can see it. <laughs> you look like a sort of a, a yellow armus, actually. <laughs> so the yellow armus would sort of sound like, Hey guys, how's it going? I'm sorry I fell in the butterscotch pudding. You're just turning back into... <laughs> Armis. No, not regular Armus, but our version of regular Armus. <laughs> That's regular Armus, right? Yes, yes, it is now. Uh, the other question Scott asks, uh, also, he likes the man-out-of-time trope, either seen through suspended animation or time warp. Did Roddenberry just like using this device, or was there something deeper? Well, I believe Roddenberry wanted to be frozen before he died. Which is why they burned him and then <laughs> shot him into space. Well, they got the second part right. He wanted to be frozen and shot into space. Fix this. So his ashes got scattered into space and then his ashes burned up in re-entry. Yes. Absolutely no chance of ever resurrecting him. <laughs> um, Clearly his he was taken care of by someone who watched who listened to the show. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> No, my my whole thing is when right after he died, a certain writer of City on the Edge of Forever did this opinion piece on the Sci Fi Channel where he said, So Gene Roddenberry's dead. Good. And that just really like 
whoa, really? That is kind of an asshole thing to say. So I deliberately sort of step away from that because that guy can be kind of a jerk sometimes. Uh I didn't say his name. So he can't sue us. Didn't say his name. Uh, I think the reason... We're talking about you, Ray Bradbury. Yeah. I thought we were talking about Richard Matheson. Uh, No, I think... um... Now you're thinking of Robert Block. Oh. Well, it's better than Hamner, anyway. (laughs) You think you like Hamner. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Earl Hamner Jr., the worst Twilight Zone writer. (laughs) Anyway. um, No, what I think it is, honestly, is the obvious, like... Roddenberry loves comparing his ideal future to the present, and the easiest, hackiest way to do that is to literally take a man out of the past and mm-hmm. compare it directly. Rather than subtly showing you how it's better, you just tell someone from now yep. how you're better. Hey, you know what's great? The future's great. Which, you know what sucks? You? The past and yeah. you and all your family and all your friends. You're basically scum. Yep. I think the best example of that was the one where Kirk kidnaps future or uh, the the dude from the past and is all like, "You can't go go back because you'll never amount to anything." Yep. <laughs> you don't matter, so yeah, you just stay with us where it matters. Yes. No, and I we've said this before too. I think Gene bought into the hype of. The future being this great thing. I don't... That wasn't really the clear message to me early in the original series. I think 30 years of press after the original series said he created this future where everything was better. Mm -hmm. And he started believing it. Yeah. And he started thinking, hey, yeah. And he started being aware of that, writing it into the scripts that we're so great and I created this ideal future. But that's never really what it was about until... Someone told him that's what it was about. No, because, I mean, the original series had war yeah. and deception and, all like, not yeah. all humans were ideal. One of the very... were monstrous. One of the very first episodes involved the captain, who was the hero of the story, being split into two things that exist inside him, and one of them is a violent rapist. Yeah. Yep. So, obviously, they have the capacity for evil, even if they're not yeah, openly Yeah, it's only evil. when we got to TNG that it's all like, no, everyone's good, and no one ever fights or argues. And there's no conflict, which makes for great drama, guys, right? Like, can you imagine if, if there had been no conflict between uh, Bones and Spock? Oh, man. Like, seriously. I say, chum, you certainly are slightly different than me, but I don't care. You prancing hobgoblin, who is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do get along. <laughs> Oh, Doctor, you're japes. (laughs) You are a caution. (laughs) So, yeah, I I honestly believe, and this isn't my observation, I'm sure other people have pointed this out, but he kind of bought into the media saying, the reason Star Trek is so great is because ideal future. No, the reason Star Trek is so great is because space is cool. Yep. That's it. And because it wasn't too much boring, just let's talk about technology and not have any human interest. Right. Um, as much as I'm not interested in humans. Um. Oh, you know the characters are the best part. That's why Deep Space Nine is the best show, because they did some really great character mm-hmm. stuff. The plot was good, but the characters were the best. And the characters were flawed and dark, and they made mistakes. And, I mean, all of our, if not our favorite episode, one of the standout episodes of Deep Space Nine was where Cisco had to basically lie to the Romulans to get them into the war. Which caused the death of millions of yep. Romulans. Yes, millions! And it's a huge thing, and and it basically ends with him saying, I know it was wrong, I know it's against everything Starfleet stands for, but I'm okay with myself, and I do it again. Yeah. Now I'm going to erase any record of me ever doing it. And everyone points to that episode as one of the defining points of that show and one of the best Star Trek episodes ever, and it's about a guy doing something horrible for the greater good. Yep. Roddenberry well, the ends never justify the means. Well, that's overwhelming. Like, that's, that's the lesson of Star Trek always. Mm-hmm. All right, next email comes from Irish Gav, and he says, Dear Maticus and Alice, uh, is there any guest character who we didn't see again from Next Gen Season 1 that you would have liked to see again maybe in later seasons? Keep watching, I assume he means keep watching the skis, but it actually says skies here. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, Irish Gav. Um, I, we've said a bunch of times that there were about, a, I don't know, three or four, five, six... Um, Really good episodes, or no, really good ideas for episodes in season one that just suffered from being a season one episode. Yep. And if they'd gone back and done them in season three or four, they would have been great. Mm-hmm. I thought that a lot of it was to the quality of actor that they got in the guest stars, because a lot That's of them true. were such TV soap opera Oh, totally. Actors. Well, I mean, the one we go back to is probably the worst actor of the season was that old Admiral smacking his lips. <laughs> and you could tell from minute one. I don't know how they're going to fix that in the Blu-ray, because he looks like he's in makeup in the standard yeah. version. 
and in more detail, it's going to be so obvious he's just wearing makeup. <laughs> They're just going to replace him with a Crypt Keeper puppet. <laughs> that would be fine. And then younger and younger Crypt Keeper yep. puppets. Now, that wasn't one of the episodes that we thought would be better. But... No, we don't want to bring back the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> no. Um, they did bring back, let's see, they did bring back that Ferengi that had a, a grudge against Picard. Yep. I didn't like the follow-up to that. I actually liked the, the season one one better. Where they brought back his son or some mm, damn thing. Yeah. It was kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> of course, we'd like to see Armus come back, but we really just want to see our version of Armus. That's not the same at all, it's you really guys. Not. Working in ten forward <laughs> as a bartender. He's got to wear an apron though, because safety first. My preference is that he replace Guinan. I like Guinan. I don't care what. Hello, Captain Picard. Can I offer you some advice? Some tea, Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously, bones. Does yes. that count? Um, well, we definitely don't need to see the uh, <laughs> the virus, the Naked Now virus, come back again. Nope. We don't need to go back to space, Africa. Oh, but we will. We will see the Naked Now virus come back will again. Will we? Doesn't it come back in Enterprise? Oh, probably. They <laughs> probably invented it. Didn't they come? Didn't it come back in Voyager? Probably. I hope in the in when it when it comes back in Enterprise, they called it the Naked Then. <laughs> <laughs> naked once again. Uh, we don't need to go back to Space Africa. No. Nope. The Ferengi already come back. The Traveler already comes back. Mm. Uh, Lore will come back. Lore. Lore. Lore's next appearance will be good. Yep. yep. His appearance after that will be good. What's his next one? Actually, I may be mistaken. He appears once when Soong appears and we can finally do right, that, right. Do yeah, that voice good. about a character we're actually talking about. <laughs> I could swear he comes back another time, but I might be mistaken. The Crystalline Entity comes back separately. That might be what I'm thinking of. And then he comes back for his stupid Magic Castle episode. The uh, Magic Asshole? Yes. Uh, I want uh, I want uh, Deanna's uh, potential husband to come back and be have leprosy. Yeah, that would be fine. Uh, the Justice Planet, we don't need to go back there. The Ferengi again. Q already comes back. Loxana already comes back. Dixon Hill, don't they come back to Dixon Hill yeah, time at some point? Uh, lore, we don't need to go back to Angel 1, for God's sake. I'd like to see the Binars come back. Yeah, the Vinars would have been cool to come back. Yep. Uh, horrible old admiral. Uh, the stupid planet with no children. The stupid smart dirt. No, there's really nothing. That there's... one already oh, was the coming back. Fucking, uh, yeah. the conspiracy aliens. The conspiracy aliens, yeah. yes, absolutely. But that's really it. I mean, just going back through <laughs> the list Headless here. Niles. I want Headless <laughs> Niles to come back. Yes. And the uh, the, the, the thought-out cowboy. Yes. I, I love, love thought-out cowboy. I wonder what he's up to now. He's on Earth and he's like a big hit. I brought back Rockabilly. Yeehaw! In my mind, he's joined the Starfleet Corps of Engineers. <laughs> in your mind, then in a Peter David book, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> that does remind me, though, Matt. You weren't here last week. You were dead. Mm -hmm. You're obviously either not dead or a ghost now. What he's are we, a ghost. What are we he's decided? always a ghost. Can't I be a not-dead ghost? I don't care what you do. I'm a hologram. Just show up and record the show. I don't <laughs> care what you are. Hard light or soft light? Both. You don't have an H on your forehead, so I don't believe that. No, they don't know that. This is audio. Yes, but I'm looking at you right now. Hang on. Where's my pen? <laughs> <laughs> I have a permanent Sharpie. Not no, like that. But I, but I did want to ask you, you. You heard the show that Adrian and I did. I did. And you do know now that you're replaceable. Mm -hmm. With Adrian. Yes. Uh, there are a couple other people that could step in, but Adrian definitely proved that, that he could be Matt just fine. Um, no, seriously, what I wanted to ask I was... stole my catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to ask was, you heard the show, was there anything we left out? Were there any observations you thought... No, I thought you were done there. ...from from Conspiracy or from uh, uh, the Neutral Zone? Any Anything you're, like, yelling at your iPod or whatever and saying, Hey, what about this? No, you guys... No, I, I pretty much... I think I got all my thoughts in the in my posthumous... Very well. ...message to the show. All right. Message in a bottle, Now repeat yeah. that a million no, times. No, repeat sending out an SOS. Send it out <laughs> an SOS. <laughs> Next question comes from John Wiggins, and he says, I know you haven't gotten to the wonderful show of Enterprise, mm. but I still would like to know how Space come... oil. ...when they, Enterprise, first made contact with the Borg, they never documented their encounter. Why otherwise would Next Gen not known about them upon their encounter? Well, because of sloppy writing, which is the reason I hate Enterprise. Yep. If it's anything like everything else I've heard about Enterprise, it's because they were hidden in a cave or something. Like the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, exactly. They also met the Ferengi. They also met... Like, they met yeah, so like, many... In the episode, they met the Ferengi. They were unconscious, or the Ferengi were behind a door or something <laughs> for the entire episode. 
It's because they're too busy oiling each other up <laughs> to keep proper it's, records. It's yep. decontaminating massage oil. What's your problem? They have that down at the sex shop now. having sex with each other, all of the characters. Yeah. All right. This next one comes from Brian, and as, as we would expect from Brian, and this is a compliment, uh, there are lots of questions here and lots of information because it's Brian, and he knows possibly more than we do. Look, this has got codicils and stuff in Good it. Yeah, it's got footnotes. It's got, it's got all kinds Look, of stuff. Look, there's a diagram. There's a works cited. It's, it's long, but Look, I me. see, I see, like, a little clockwork mechanism that brings up all of the different questions in order. Well, he, he really knows his stuff, and, you And know. he somehow got this into an email. I know, it's bizarre, but... Started uh, chiming last night. I feel like we would be remiss if we ignored this. Is yeah. it growing? It seems to be... It's a fractal email, is what it is. Each question has a question inside of it, which then has a question inside of it. Oh, jeez. So, he says, greetings, stupid past men and woman. He didn't say woman, I added that, because you're a woman. Well, no, it's because I'm superior. I'm afraid you're not. Is you're, that what that is? You're here in the past with the rest of us. No, I'm not. Early 21st century, just as stupid. I enjoy being filthy and then frozen. Yep. <laughs> I just wanted to answer some... Oh, he's answering questions for us. And then wonder what happened to Tommy. <laughs> Computer, show me about Tommy. <laughs> what can you tell me about Tommy? I asked Siri about Tommy, and it didn't help at all. Uh, I just wanted to... So he's actually answering some of our questions. Uh, using the powerful force of Trivia Brain. Uh, one, Worf red uniform. Worf was not, as you quite sensibly believe, a security officer at this point. He was the bridge relief officer, a junior officer who steps in, excuse me, who steps into whatever position when the usual officer isn't there. You know, like those random red shirts that would take Data's place whenever he would go on an away mission. However, in no time at all, they realized he was a big scary Klingon and should be in security, so basically he became Tasha's Batman. 1A. Mm -hmm. Matt, a Batman... Is a military officer's <laughs> personal assistant. Don't get excited. Mm. <laughs> See, he's already addressed See? that. Fractal. It, it anticipates his uh, his answers. I I believe you, Brian. I have no reason to doubt you, mm -hmm. and you know you know more than I know. I will concede that. But I don't know. Brian's awfully shifty. You think so? Well, he yes. is Irish. Oh, the Irish. Mm. We know how we feel about them. Yeah. How we've been told to feel about them. Um, Heritage hair. But I I don't know that there's anything on screen that says that. Like, I believe you, and I'm not doubting you, and I'm not challenging that. It's as easy a thing to think of as anything else. If you made that up, that's fine. If it's if it's in some supplemental thing, that's fine. But I don't think they ever said it. I think we just saw him hanging out with Tasha sometimes and assumed he was security. But the show never, you know, the show's certainly not going to tell us. I like your theory that Worf is Batman. He, no, Batman. I said it that way on purpose. It's lowercase b. I don't follow you. All right. Uh, the knight has honor. Two. So many chief engineers. <laughs> Apparently, the reason for the four chief engineers was that they went in without a real engineer concept, and they were trying out various characters to see who clicked. The plan was scrapped after Argyle had a bunch of his friends write into the show as random fans and talk about how great he was. <laughs> that would do it. Uh, three. Bolians. Okay, you didn't ask about this, but I think it's neat. Captain Ricks from Conspiracy was the first living non-human captain seen on the show. And like all Bolians, he had a high-domed, bald head, floppy ears, and protruding brow. The interesting thing is that these are normal features of the actor Michael Berryman, a very good actor with a variety of birth defects <laughs> that basically make him look like an alien. And he's provided a link, which we will include for you. Uh, so every Bolian following is mostly just trying to mimic what this guy already looks like. <laughs> Thank you, as ever, for a terrific podcast. You were both beautiful angels. Oh, thank you, Brian. He's just saying that because he's going to be on in two weeks. <laughs> oh, fuck you, Brian. <laughs> no, I actually, I don't think this made on the show, I don't remember, but uh, I actually was talking to Adrian and wondering if he was supposed to be bullying because he was flesh-colored. Mm. He had the line down the center of his face, and he had the, the things that Brian discusses there with the lobes and so forth. And he looked like a bullion, but all the other bullions are blue. And I wondered if they were doing that thing where... Different people on our planet have different skin tones, mm. so maybe these... Oh, they never did that. The, until the Black Vulcan, they didn't. No, listen, because on this side of the planet, people are black on one side and white on the other. Lots of planets have a north. <laughs> oh, go run like a girl. <laughs> maybe I will. But but that's cool that the, the Bolians just automatically have different... Because I think, when I think Bolians, I think the 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 barber, Mr. Mott... <laughs> That uh, that always Who is he is the best barber in Starfleet. Uh -huh. Well, the Enterprise is comprised of the best of the best. Guinan is the best bartender. Troy, I guess, is the best counselor. Oh God! Uh -huh. And Beverly is the best doctor. No, they traded her away because she wasn't. 
And then she came back and got better. <laughs> no, in fact, they, they mentioned that in Farpoint, which we just watched so it's fresh in my mind, she requested the Enterprise. And I assume Picard's she, like, oh, she, I never hit that. I approved. <laughs> Come in. Yes. But no, I always assumed that they put up with Mr. Mott's chatter because he was the he was the best. Mm-hmm. You, that was where you got your best haircut from, and you just had to suffer through it. Well, <sighs> I will say, after season one, they had a lot better hair. And we they didn't, did. We didn't see Mr. Mott until after season one, so it's possible he just got transferred with in that same wave of new personnel that brought Guinan and uh, Doctor Pulaski. Barkley too, right? Yep. Well, we haven't seen Barkley yet. He might already be there. We could say that he just showed up in that new wave of people, sure. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. Uh, although Ensign Sadsack, who apparently is communicating to us from season one-ish right now, <laughs> says that his roommate Reg is really nervous. Oh, God. Which implies well, to me that know. Reg is already there. <laughs> well, yeah, he would definitely know. He's he's our inside guy. Yeah. He's the only guy we know, apart from Armas. <laughs> Armas doesn't know much about the day-to-day workings of the ship, though. No. Don't tell me much. No. Uh, next one comes from English Gav, and he says, Dear readers and listeners of this letter, I was watching Star Trek the other day, and Picard was in bed. This got me thinking, because they manipulate the warp field or something, so resultantly they don't become sub- subject to time dilation. Why don't they use stasis to travel vast distances? That way we wouldn't have needed the Voyager series. <laughs> He's being, fo- well, not forced, but he lives in the same house as Irish Gav. So he basically is being forced to watch, as blo- as, as Irish Gav blogs that show. <laughs> English Gav, I, I, don't, I haven't been to their house. I don't know what it's set up like. I assume him entering from the beer room to watch TV and Voyager's on the TV. Well, I guess i got to watch this before I can play video games. I this always r- assume that they have two bedrooms, but well, they, yes. they turn one of them into the beer room and the other one has bunk beds. <laughs> Or separate beds like Ernie and Burke. Yes. But I don't think that they sleep <laughs> they in the... they both have G's on them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Won't that be confusing? <laughs> Not to me. No, I just... I assume they have whatever you call a living room in England. It might be a living room. It might be called something else. But the sitting the, room. The room with the chairs and, and the TV, where I assume uh, English guy would want to go play Final Fantasy or something. And Irish guy's watching Voyager, and he's just forced to sit through it for an hour. But he has no interest in it. Uh, he says, also, if they did use stasis, would they need to sleep when they come out of stasis? Ponderingly or science, Gav. My understanding of stasis comes entirely from Red Dwarf. I've read it in other things as yeah. well. Red Dwarf, it's time stops. Mm-hmm. There is no time inside the stasis field, which means when you come out, it is the next instant for you. So if you went in tired, you're still going to be tired. Yeah. You won't have slept. So I, that won't change anything. I remember a concept that only showed up in the Red Dwarf book where Rimmer would... Would on his nights off go and stay in the stasis chamber so that he would live forever. Right, I really like that. But it meant that he hadn't slept. Yes, right. So that's cool. I I don't know. I always wondered if they had stasis, and apparently, um, that's how Ensign Satsak went from being on like uh, the the Enterprise A to now being on the Enterprise D. He's actually Lieutenant JG Satsak now. <laughs> I think they might have promoted him, like much like they promoted uh, Janeway for losing a ship. <laughs> they promoted uh, Ensign Sadak to Lieutenant JG for uh, falling into a stasis field and disappearing for a few uh, for a few for years. almost a hundred years, yep. for like eighty-five years or whatever it's supposed to be. And here's a trophy for doing that. Yes, you win. So there's... <laughs> best waste of Starfleet time. But do we really? I mean, have we ever seen an indication that they have stasis technology? I've never seen anyone in a stasis pod or anything. I don't think so. No, because I, I mean, I, well, I mean, they put like they've got con in that in them. Well, that's that's cryogenic though. That's different. Cryonics is different than stasis. Stasis, my under, and again, it comes from no Red ice. Dwarf, which might be wrong. Yeah, there's no. They're not freezing your body. Mm-hmm. They're stopping time. Which they might not... I don't think Star Trek has that technology. I think that's beyond them. Yeah. I don't think so either, because they... But I don't know, original series guys traveled through time. They knew how to do that. They Going... But taking yourself back in time and stopping time are two entirely different things. I mean... One could lead to the other. I mean, couldn't you easily put yourself in stasis just by transporting yourself and then not... Well, that's what happened to Scotty, Yeah, exactly. But it didn't work very well, because the other two Well, his pattern broke down a bit, and the other guy broke down... But it's still, you. I always liked when they took technology, rather than inventing a new piece of magic, I always liked when a writer would take something that was already in the world and find a new, yeah. new that was a really clever idea to say, well, of course, Scotty's an engineer, he would find a way to make this work. Mm. And I totally bought that, and it was great. Um, but no, I don't think stasis actually exists. Huh. 
I mean, I could be wrong, but I can't think of any other. But I always, yeah, I always assumed, much like at the end of Alien, I always assumed that, you know, it's too far to go home, so Voyager should freeze themselves. Yeah. That's how it should work. But no, they just hung around. Yeah, and explored. Mm-hmm. And reading uh, reading Irish Gav's recaps now, I realize they stopped a lot. They went into, like, just constantly Aren't they in stopping. they hurry? Yeah. One like... would think. But no, they were constantly stopping. Goddamn woman drivers. And Janeway, getting, don't you have puppies to get home to or something? Getting involved in other people's crap and just, you know, poking their nose where it doesn't belong and then claiming the Prime Directive says that they can't. We don't have a Prime Directive here. Apparently not. Ugh. All right. But, uh, we have an audio question now from Flonk, so right. let's uh, listen to that. Flonk to post-atomic art. I was reading in the paper that they're bringing the Space Shuttle Enterprise to the Intrepid Museum here in New York City, because having a museum that's also an aircraft carrier isn't cool enough they had to throw a fucking spaceship on top of it. It seems that people are annoyed because we're not getting a real space shuttle. To which I, sh- I say, shut up! We're getting a shuttle and we've got no business having one. Houston isn't getting one and they've got much more of a claim than we do. Just be happy with what we've got. Anyways, did you know the Space Shuttle Enterprise was originally named the Constitution? before it was changed at the request of Star Trek fans. Interesting coincidence, because as we all know, the Enterprise is a Constitution-class starship. Flunk out. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Flunk's not dead. You are. (laughs) Um, I did know that they renamed it because of Star Trek. There is that famous picture, and we'll link to it because it's all over the place, but you should still see it, of everybody in the crew, or like Shatner and Nimoy and all those guys, and Roddenberry, all 70s'd up. (laughs) <laughs> and you really see the roots of disco bones in this picture because that's just how DeForest Kelly dressed when yep. he went out went out for this important thing. He dressed up, he put on his Sunday best, mm-hmm. and he was all disco bones. And his Sunday best involved a medallion. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, but they were really, there for the... that's how you dress the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> they were there for the launch of, it was like 78 or 79, like late 70s, of the first uh, space shuttle, which they did call the Enterprise. And yeah, it's an interesting coincidence, Constitution, I guess, except... They just originally named all the ships after battleships in the first place, so they're all drawing from the same mm. source, so it's not that But it's not the military who says that it is. It's totally the military. Yeah. He was using naval stuff all the time. But it's not the military. It's an exploration military uh-huh. that isn't for war. It's an exploratory armada. <laughs> we uh, we also have the um, one of the space shuttles here. In uh, uh, Boeing has a flight museum here in Seattle. They're pretty cool. And I haven't actually been because here's the thing: when I lived near DC, every friend that would come from out of town wanted to go to the Air and Space Museum, and I went so many times. And I love space, and I like aircraft. I worked around aircraft for years, but it's like I saw the museum. I've seen it. I know. Okay, I'm done. They've got some awesome World War II helicopters and stuff. There were no helicopters. helicopters, Planes. Yes. No, there's there's some cool stuff there. I just need to get over my shell shock of being tired of the Air and Space Museum. Shell shock might be a bit of um, an overstatement. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Battle fatigue. <laughs> <laughs> and another one from Flonk. He says, Captain, there's something here I think you should see. Right. Oh, it's a Star Trek wrap. Oh, no. Wrapping Santa Mom. Okay, so what, is, what Flonk has linked us to here is a <laughs> delightfully filthy... Incredibly nerd reference heavy <laughs> rap video that rhymed the word Picard with Dick Hard. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but that was delightful, and oh, we'll definitely man. share that. That was. It took me a minute to warm up to it, but then once I did, what I particularly liked is that it started out with all the characters who don't actually get any sex. No, talking but... about how much sex they get, and I knew they were building up to Riker being best and last because, of course. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, he's Riker, mm-hmm. obviously. No, that was that was a lot of fun. I love that nerd stuff is so prevalent and it's so easy to make something like that now that... I Like, they made references to Picard being stranded on some planet from one episode. Yep. And it was right. <laughs> like, it not only... Like, in the 80s and 90s, there were, like, rap songs that would occasionally drop a nerd reference, but it was like, I saw this on TV once and it's all wrong. Yep. Now they're... Dr. Spock? No, yeah. The, the Beastie Boys love Dr. Spock references, and I'm really torn because I love the Beastie Boys, but it's not Dr. Spock. But That's the baby guy. It's not even on Star Trek. God. You guys. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's delightful, and you should check that out. Yeah. Uh, one final question, also from Flunk. 
He says, flunked post-atomic horror. I have a question that seems stupid, but I've been told the obvious answer is wrong. So I'm going to you. Uh, the experts to settle this dispute. Is Geordi LaForge blind? I submit that he is, but I've been told that because his visor allows us to interpret various stimuli visually, he is therefore not blind. I say this is like saying a person with a hearing aid is not deaf. What say you? Flonk out. Well, of course he's blind. He's blind. It's like Daredevil. Yeah, he's where... a blind man that can see. Yeah, but his superpower. And we we spend endless amounts of time being fascinated by his power. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point of fixing a camera and broadcast yeah. me- mechanism to the side Jordan, of his head. go look at things. Where it's a kind to... of offensive. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's not cool. Um, so, really, you can't hear at all. No, I can hear fine. <laughs> I mean, by that logic, I'm not nearsighted because I wear glasses. That's, that's Trust a very me, valid I am. point. Also, I, I would also argue that what he does is not exactly see. When he gives, he has a whole little spiel that he gives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interpret the, the electromagnetic, allowing me to see, and I think he even does air quotes with his fingers. Yeah. If not, he definitely does it verbally. Mm-hmm. It's the same with the reading Braille as reading type. You're not print. really reading. Yeah. You're, you're absorbing the words and you're processing what's being written, but you're not reading exactly. Yeah. It's comparable, but it's not. I, it's not the same. No, you need a you need a different verb for that. Absolutely. Um, but I, what he's seeing is not what we're seeing anyway. It's it's different stuff. Mm-hmm. He's he's perceiving wavelengths that we can't see and crap like that. So it's not exactly the same thing. In in ways, and they've said this. In ways, it's better. But in other but ways, when he gets actual sight, he now realizes that Tasha's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And while Matt and I have are well on the record as being fans of Tasha when when she's done upright, because mm-hmm. she's like that in that Seinfeld episode where the girl he's dating sometimes looks awesome and sometimes <laughs> looks hideous depending on the light. <laughs> and Ta- I wouldn't go as far as to say hideous, but there are times when her makeup and hair are bad and she just looks plain. Yep. And like Farpoint, she looked good. Yes, she did. And she had the right makeup and the right hair, and she looked pretty. And then in other episodes... Naked now, she had a spit curl. That didn't bother me at all. That was them trying to look futury and failing. Uh-huh. It's not really Denise Crosby's fault. As beautiful as he's imagined. That <laughs> might be going a bit... Especially with Counselor Troy right there. It's a good It's a good thing she died, because otherwise you'd have a sexual harassment suit on your hands there, Jordy. No, she's from the rape planet. That's nothing to her. <laughs> that bounces right off, like... She doesn't even hear it? No. It's like, oh, there's a guy trying to grab my ass again. Oh, that's cute. So glad I'm not on the rape planet anymore. <laughs> yeah, um... Rape planet? I know. I, th- th- here's an interesting thing, though. I'm pretty sure... Uh, we were watching the, the scene, you know, the, the exposition scene where Jordy explains that he's blind to Crusher, because we were watching Farpoint. Because why would she know? Uh-huh. Well, no, I... The whole thing, the whole spiel is she knows. But she's like, I want to try and close some eyes. I want to fix you. Have you tried not being blind? Yeah. Uh, how about, did you try turning your eyes off and on? <laughs> It, it, well, I, I got the off part working pretty well. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, when we start season two, and we'll know this in a week, but I'm pretty sure almost that same scene happens again with Pulaski. The new doctor shows up, and we go through it all over again. And if he had pupils, he would be rolling his eyes, because he's like, every new doctor wants to fix this. No, it's broken. It's going to stay broken. I bet Pulaski could fix it, though. We'll get into that. We'll get we'll get there. Don't Don't jump the gun on that one. But And then Matt and I were talking this out, and we're like, yeah, when he got his fake eyes in the movies, it happened after the Enterprise D crashed, before they got the new Enterprise E. Mm-hmm. He was off on another assignment, and there was probably a doctor that wasn't Crusher, yep. who finally said, let me fix this, goddammit, fine, here. We have the technology. You it's... just had a quack looking after you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember... There's probably some expand. There's probably some book you read that actually details the secret origin of George. No, no, I, I think I remember in later seasons they talk about how they could cure like they could cure him but he wanted to keep the visor because it let him see more that might be it because captain picard made him feel bad about himself <laughs> yeah because he had a camera strapped to his head right um captain picard likes me better this way so i better just stay like this the secret um, origin of Jordy's eyes seems like something that enterprise would do somehow yep or the secret origin of his visor something that doesn't need an explanation at all yep well they went to a dollar store and found a banana clip <laughs> I think it looks cool. Like as a, as a simple practical effect, I always like the way I his like visor it too. looked. I like the clicky noise when they take it off. Yeah, exactly. And he's got the little leads on the side of his head that yep. blink. I always so think you know they're on. Me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's all the mail we have. Um, Amanda will be joining us in a few weeks, as as we alluded to a minute ago, for the first full Pulaski centric episode. 
Because Matt is not convinced Pulaski is a character that is worth a damn and... Better in every conceivable way than uh-huh. Beverly. I just... Except one. Except the physical one. But Matt has already admitted that she's hot when she was younger. So, even that. I don't know what to do about all this. <laughs> the thing is, I think she's better. Amanda is vehement <laughs> that she's better. So... I'm trying not to let it be a pile-on on Matt, but it might be a pile-on. You might be, you might prepare yourself. <laughs> I'm prepared for this. Very Get some well. spikes. <laughs> well, we're going to be back to the normal setup where he's going to be in another country. So mm. We're not going to be recording. I'll be like, safe up here. Like we are now. Um, but that's pretty much it. And if you ever want to send us mail, we're probably not going to get to it again until the end of Season 2, but you're welcome to. It's mm-hmm. uh, podcast at algar.com, or the voicemail is 206-973-3982. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Keep those cards and letters coming. Absolutely. That That's pretty much it, though. we got Season 2 coming up, and things are great, and uh, our Emerald City appearance is coming, and speaking of things you can spend human money on, guess what? We're selling a book. We are. We have put together our thoughts, original thoughts, not uh, not the same ones you heard on the show, about the original series, all 79 episodes, plus the animated series, plus the movies, plus some extra stuff. Also, I got a sneak preview of it, and it's really funny, guys. And I wouldn't say that because I don't say nice things. No, in fact, no. she would deliberately say she hated it, so mm-hmm. she must like it. Um, like a lot. Yeah. More than my usual aversion to say nice things. Yep. So you can pre-order that on the website now. And uh, you should. After Emerald City, which is the last weekend in March, it will just be available for straight-up purchase. Uh, but printing books cost money, and if you pre-order, it'll be a lot easier for us to get this printed. Yeah, so, please. Uh, if you want it, uh, it would help us more if you did it now than later. Please, buddy. Yeah, come on, guy. All right, and with that, we are off. Next week, we will be talking about more Star Trek, like we always do. I don't know why I'm teasing next week. <laughs> Stay tuned next week when we tackle. Wait for it. Hang on. Star Trek. Oh, man. 66 episodes. Finally. That shit is ex- Exciting! I know. So, Matt, uh, say it. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.